Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 182 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, we are going to um, dig into our interview that we started last week with Amy. And um, as I had mentioned last week, but if you're brand new, you might not have known this, but I had this amazing interview with this beautiful human being and it was two hours long and I didn't want to cut any of it out. It's so, so good. And so I decided to just split it up into three podcast episodes. So last week, 181 was part one. This week, 182 is part two. And then next week, 183 will be part three. And before we begin, though, and it's just so when we start, it's going to, you know, awkwardly just dive right back into where we left off last week. So I apologize for that. But that's the nature of the beast. But before we begin, I want to just let you know that the reboot your life after divorce. Uh, what do, it's like a workshop or a camp or whatever. It's open now. And if you go to uh, flyingfreesisterhood.com forward slash reboot, you can register. So what it is, is five days of getting together with me for 90 minutes every day, uh, starting August 29th through September 2nd. It's going to be from 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time to 1230 p.m. Central Standard Time. And what we're going to do is spend five days together where I'm going to teach you some concepts And then I'm going to bring some of you on, whoever wants to, can come on and get some live coaching. Okay. So based on, you know, whatever the concept is that we're going to learn that day. So day one, we're going to be talking about your divorce story. Day two, we're going to be talking about finding happiness after divorce. Day three, where in the world is God in the mess? Day four, redefining your identity. And day five, creating your future. So if you uh, want to be part of that live event for five days in a row, the cost is going to be $19. You can go to, and and by the way, if you can't come to the live sessions, it's okay. You will have access to the replays for as long as you want. You can just go and watch the replays. Um, So the the website again is flyingfreesisterhood.com forward slash reboot, R-E-B-O-O-T. This is for divorced women of faith, all right? Christian women who are divorced. Now, if you're in the middle of a divorce and you want to come watch this, register for this, you are more than welcome to come. I think it would give you uh, kind of some hope for what's on the other side of your divorce. If you're divorced, for sure, this is going to be for you. If you are someone who's already a member of Flying Higher, you don't need to come to this live or register for this because I'm going to get, I'm going to put all of the replays in the membership on the membership site when I'm done. So you can watch them all over there. Um, the only reason you'd want to register for this is if for some reason you want to be there live, then you're going to need to, you know, pay the 19 bucks and then you'll get access to the live. All right. It's going to be on zoom and, um, you won't be, you won't have to show your video or anything. It's very private. Um, unless you're going to get coached. If you want to get coached, then you will need to be in a location with a uh, high speed internet. <clears throat> you'll have to be able to show your video and I'll be able to have to be able to hear you. Right. So, um, we're going to move into our interview now. And, um, just so you know, 
I, I will just briefly introduce Amy, but I introduced her a little a little bit in more detail um, in episode 181. But Amy has been a longtime member of Flying Free and Flying Higher. She's a very active and contributing member. She has been such a blessing to the people in our group, and she is an incredible human being. And I gave the ladies an assignment, the Flying Higher ladies an assignment, to write down all uh, many of the old thoughts that really kept, the, kept them stuck for so many years. And then alongside of those old thoughts to write down some of the new ways that they're thinking and believing since they have done their, this personal development work in flying free and flying higher. And so Amy, Amy took this assignment very seriously and she sent back her list and it was so incredible that I thought I've got to share this with as many people as possible because I want women to understand and to see what is possible if you do this work. And so um, I decided to have her on the podcast. There is going to be a PDF download in the show notes that you can download and you can see her thoughts side by side. But um, without any further ado, let's dive right back into the interview that we left off at last week. So another old thought was, I believed that if I spoke words of concern to someone who claimed to love me, that they would take my words to heart and God would use those words to change them. And I realized this through counseling. This is what my counselor refers to as playing the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So Been my done new that. thought is... Yeah. I learned this. I learned that this is not a good thing. The very, very, very hard way. Yeah. So I believe that this is the work um, of the person with the Holy Spirit to be convicted of destructive patterns. I do not have the power to convict. So, and I think this is often why we become very desperate in relationships because we it goes back to that. If I say it the right way and, you know, if you love me, you'll change and you know, all that, we just become very desperate. Whereas when we speak words in truth, right. We say clearly, you know, what does Brene Brown say? She says, you know, kindness is, or clarity is kindness Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Anyways. So we speak truth in love and then we let the Holy spirit do the rest. And whether they hear you or not, it's not up, it's not up to me. Right. Well, and sometimes what we think is the truth sometimes isn't actually helpful for them in that moment anyways. You know, you know what I'm saying? They're not there yet. They're not ready to hear that yet. And it's not, we, I know for me, I used to think that I kind of knew what was best for everybody else. You know, well, yeah, that's how I, yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, yeah. like, I'm a good Christian. I read my Bible. I'm a homeschooling mom. You know, I, I, I know, I know what's right and what's wrong. I've been reading my Bible since I was seven and th- that person does obviously doesn't. And if they did, if they would do what I know is true and right, then their life would be so much better. And so I would make sure to let them know because I love them. And I genuinely did love them. It was motivated by, I had good motives. And, I, and again, mm-hmm. we're, ta- we're really, I mean, there's a theme kind of playing out here. This is, our old thoughts are really very much Christian culture. It's what we are, mm-hmm. are taught that this is the way it's, this is. I want to bring up, a, make a point here too about our forum that we have. Because we have this, um, 
It's not on Facebook. It's a private forum for flying free and flying higher members to interact with each other in. And it is, I'm amazed by how very little I actually have to um, ever call anyone out or, I mean, I, I can't even remember the last time I've had to do that, honestly, because people, there is such a culture of holding space for everyone to be wherever they're at rather Mm -hmm. than, rather than thinking it's my job to tell them that they need to think differently. Like you're giving all of these old thoughts and your new thoughts, but if someone comes into the forum and is giving an old thought that they're believing and they're not quite there yet with the new thought, Nobody ever jumps in there and says, well, you know what? That's really kind of stinking thinking. You should really think about it like this. Nobody does that. We know because these, uh, a lot of our old thoughts are programmed into us. So when we see other people um, struggling with an old thought or wanting to live contently with that old thought, we get it. Yeah. I get it. I get why you think that way. Yeah. You know? And, and also and so we don't we, come at it from a judgmental perspective. Yeah. And we also know from just having come along a little ways further that they're, they're going to eventually see the results of that thinking in their own lives. And, and, and they're going to come to the, that realization all by themselves that this Mm -hmm. isn't working for me. I've believed this for so long and it's not working for me anymore. My life is not where I want it to be. Something is wrong with what I'm thinking here and I don't know how to change it. And then they start asking for help. And that's when we can start offering them, just offering, not saying, well, you should believe this or you should believe that, but just offering them ideas. Like what if Mm -hmm. we, what if, what if this, what if this little part of what you're believing isn't even true? Is there any evidence that you might be able to find in your life to say that that's maybe not even true? What are some other ways of looking at this that might be truer that would actually help you feel a little bit differently in your body and help you show up in your life in in different ways than you've been showing up over and over again in the past? In the forum, Mm -hmm. a lot of women are coming into the forum because things aren't working and they want help with it. Yeah, And so they're already in sort of a towards motion, towards help. I think a lot of times what happens is we want to help people who are not in a towards motion towards us. Like they're, they're not coming to us for help. We're just like knocking on their door and saying like, Hey, you know, this is an issue or whatever. And they're not, they don't, they don't have that forward motion towards us. Yes. And this is, I, I say this a lot in, in the program, even that this is what we see a lot on social media. I think we see a lot of in Christian circles on social media, someone will say something and then everyone just jumps on them and is like, well, that's not right because of this reason. And that's not right because this reason everyone feels like they've got to chime in and correct everybody else. Again, it's just like, that's the Christian culture that we're swimming in. And it's so destructive to everybody. It just it's also ruins. has some codependent type tendencies to it because we have this belief that I'm not going to feel okay with my thoughts unless you agree with yes, my thoughts. Exactly. So that's where you get a lot of arguing. I think that was in one of my new thoughts, old thoughts, um, ones too. 
Um, can't. Uh, which one is that? Okay, so this one old thought was the last one that I had was every conversation with my husband, children, or church needs to come to a consensus, common ground, and resolution. That's what people are doing on Facebook, right? That's yes. what we do when we engage in a conversation with people. So this resulted in me engaging in long circular conversations, often with little to no resolution or landing on common ground. My new thought is it's important for each person in the conversation to be able to express their thoughts and to be heard. It's important for each person to express their thoughts and listen to the other person's thoughts. This allows each person to take in the information and decide at which level of relationship they can be with one another. It's okay to have different differing thoughts about things. It's okay to break or sorry, it's okay to take a break or end a conversation. If I feel that I or the other person is becoming emotionally dysregulated and, or the conversation is becoming destructive to me, the other person or the relationship. Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. That is so important. It's yeah. So Cause important. we're just out there trying to get our thoughts across is what you see on social media is everyone's trying to get their thoughts across and they're just destroying each other, just yes. destroying each other. Yep. And, and thinking that, and even in the survivor um, communities, actually, I can see this as well because survivors are finally speaking up and using their voice mm -hmm. and speaking what their experiences and speaking what they believe and standing on their own convictions, which is amazing but not everyone is going to agree with them and they still feel that emotional dysregulation. Like they have to have other people agree with them. You don't, we can give other people permission to not agree with us and we can still be in relationship with it. It doesn't mean that we're going to maybe, you know, be like, they're not going to be in our inner circle of friends where we feel the safest maybe, but I've had, yeah. I have friends, survivor friends, that I would consider very good friends of mine who believe differently than I do on some, some issues that I feel really convicted about. Okay. And we've gotten into conversations that where we've done just exactly what you said, where we've had to just kind of step back and go, you know, this is an area that we actually don't agree on and it's okay. I love you and I respect you for your opinion. And I understand where you're coming from. And I also love and respect me for my opinion. And I know exactly where I'm coming from and we can still be in relationship with each other and not have the same opinion on this particular topic. And there are a mm -hmm. lot of hot, like hot button topics today in our world today that Christians disagree on, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah but it, but there's so much fracture in the church and in relationships just because of like, even in, even when it comes to divorce, where you lose your, where, you know, like one, one of my sisters, it's like her and her husband, just as soon as I got divorced, it's like, okay, we can't have anything to do with you. We can't talk to you or, or invite you to weddings or anything because you are a divorced person. Like all of a sudden I'm a pariah because they believe differently about divorce. Really? Yeah. That just to me, I think because is, so many of these issues are tied up in salvation so people make a lot of these truths into salvation issues. So then they don't want to associate with anything that is, you know, that they think is morally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're right. And they are tying it into, but it is then that, then we get into the it's us versus you, which is, um, not helpful for anybody. That doesn't, no. that doesn't help anybody. Cause now if, if that's true, if we can say it's us versus you on this level, then we can say it's us versus you uh, when it comes to race, when it comes to gender, when it comes to socioeconomic status, when it comes to popularity, um, it can, that's what it, that's, it, it just, oh, it's just, it's such a mess. Our world really is in such a mess, but I, you know what, what this is today, this particular episode, I'm an, I'm an, I'm just going to have you, I might even split this episode up into two because I just think it's and so I'm just important. looking at my list. I'm like, Oh, that's such a good one. Oh yeah. That was a good, yeah. like, just as you're talking about different things, like you're talking about your sister and, you know, one of my old thoughts was like, if you love me, you'll support me by agreeing with all of my choices and yes. being able to emotionally support me in my journey. That was one of my old thoughts. And it just, I had so much resentment towards people who were just not capable of, of being that for me. So so what was what, so how did you change that thought? Um, so that this thought popped up with a couple family members and then church uh, leadership was another one that, you know, well, well, if you love me, then, then you'll agree with me. Right. And these are people that I had had connection with for so many years. And then also people like from my ex's side of the family, and the new thought was people love out of the overflow of their hearts. They love at the level that they're capable of. Um, mm. They love at the same level as they love themselves. It makes me sad, but I accept that not everybody is able to emotionally support me or be an emotional support person for me. Um, they love me at the emotional level that they're capable of. And I accept that. And I accept the level of relationship we have instead of wishing for more. It can be sad and I can grieve what I had hoped the relationship to be, but I no longer push and manipulate myself. So I don't change myself to be who other people want me to be. I work on that. And I try not to do that to other, like have those expectations on other people that they need to change in order to be in relationship with me. Um, and I, I just never believe that I'm in, that I'm not in relationship with people. I'm just in relationship with people, with everybody at the level that we're able to have. So that is it can so get really beautiful. Oh I my want gosh. my church to change. I do. I want them to change their beliefs about things. And some of them do, and some of them don't. But if I sit there and I'm angry at them and I'm, you know, pushing them to, then I'm just manipulating them. Yeah. Yeah. Then that becomes it abusive in its own way too. And so Jesus didn't do that right with the church. He didn't do that with anybody. Right. You know, I know that my church feels like some of them feel like I just call them Pharisees, but I don't, they're church leaders. And I said to them, you know, like I, we would all love to be Jesus in the story. We would all love to be the good Samaritan in the story. We always want to be the good guy in the story, but the reality is we're not always the, the, the good person in the, in the analogies that Jesus would give. And so, you know, we have to accept people for who they are and the beliefs that they have. My, I believe just like them for a long, long time. Yes. About divorce and separation and yep, all of those things. Yep. And so, yeah. And I preached it to lots of different people and it was only through life circumstances that 
my opinions change. And so I have to extend to them the same grace as I give myself, I have to give that to them and perhaps their opinions will change, but maybe they won't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay because I have agency to do other things to be spiritually fed in different ways. I think what you're describing and honestly with this whole episode or now I think we're going to make it into two is describing is the transition from emotional childhood or emotional dysregulation to emotional adulthood. And I want to point out too, because we, we, we did a class called, um, I think it was called leaning, living into emotional adulthood in the flying higher program. <clears throat> and right now we're doing, a. am going to be right before this podcast or right when this podcast is aired, I've got a, um, a five day program called reboot your life after divorce. It's coming up on, it's going to be August. Let me look at my calendar, August 29th to September 2nd. And it's a five day where I'm going to be getting together for five days in a row for an hour, 90 minutes each day with divorced women who want to come. It's only going to be $19 for five days of this. And I'm, we're going to be doing a lot of this work, but one of the things that, um, and then I'm, I'm going to introduce you to the flying higher program, give you a little taste of that. But one of the classes in the flying higher program that you have access to, as soon as you join the program is this, uh, course called leaning into emotional adulthood. And that's what this is. And when I think of emotional adulthood, that Jesus Christ is the epitome of that because he mm -hmm. was completely self-regulated and self living out of his full adult identity while also loving and caring for and holding space for a lot of dysregulated dysfunctional people who were unable to figure out who, what their identity was and who they were. And then he offered that stability and that regulation just through his essence. And I think that's what our calling is. I think that's what our opportunity is when we talk about being like Christ. It's being like that. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of. And that's what I think of when, when I read your list, I was like, that's what this is. This is really, this is a list of, this is who I was when I was dysregulated and had all of these beliefs and tried to control everything in my life. And then this yeah. is who I am when I'm really just taking, only taking responsibility for myself and allowing others to have their experience, not trying to control them, but allowing them and loving them in that experience rather than trying to get them out of it or change them in some way. And honestly, yeah. it's ironic because we think that if we work and try hard to change people, that they're going to change. And that never, ever works. If we really want to see people change, we need to let them be free. Just like God does. He lets them yeah. be free and in, and he just loves them. The Bible says that his love is what brings us to repent. His kindness is what leads people to repentance, not his control and his shame and is beating you over the head. It's his kindness that draws us to change repentance, to just change direction in our lives and go in a new direction. Are you a woman of faith who also happens to be divorced? 
I've been developing a brand new program that will give you the tools you need to manage your thoughts and emotions, grow your self-confidence so that you can take risks and do things you never dreamed possible, and so you can build happy, healthy relationships with other people. Did you know none of this good stuff depends on your outward circumstances or your past? You can generate the life you've dreamed of all by yourself, and I'm going to teach you how through online classes and transformational coaching. Are you ready to take your new life to the next level and fly higher? Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyinghigher.com. Anyway, yeah. tell us another one. It's well, beautiful. do you have any thoughts about that or? Um, oh, I had a bunch of thoughts, but now they all go. <laughs> so when you're talking, then I'm always like, oh yeah, that, that. emotional regulation is a huge um, thing for me. Like just understanding in my body how emotional regulation or dysregulation shows up and then being able to take care of myself in those moments. Um, differentiation too is another term that is really helpful. Like it's such a, a beautiful, um, concept to be able to understand and know yourself and protect that as like that insulated cell. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we learned that in the course, like Mm -hmm. we, we are there. And then when we are a healthy cell, then we don't allow other things to come in. Like we protect ourselves from other things, hooking us out of, um, or infecting us in different ways. And then also allowing others to be differentiated as well, giving them space. So that's, that was the, the emotional, um, speaking of emotional stuff, I think I'm becoming emotionally, I think I'm becoming a little bit dysregulated right now with my own thoughts, but, um, well, do you, let's, let's look at one of your other old thoughts on your list that, um, and how you change it to a new one there. We've kind of been okay. skipping I'm around your do, list. I've noticed. Yes. I'm going to do the old thought that has to do with a topic that I'm not hundred percent comfortable with talking about okay. on, a, on a podcast, but I'm going to do it because I think it's really important for people in general. And that's the one that has to do with sex. Okay. Um, so I had this old belief. So I believe that giving my husband sex when he wanted was an investment into the outcome of the next day. If I engaged in sex with him, even though I was detached and adverse to being with him in that way, he'd be happier and less irritable the next day, which is generally true. Um, But I gave in, um, that is a theme in my life that I, um, for the, for the possibility of relationship and love, I do things that I originally say I'm not willing to do. And then I end up doing them because I want to be in, in relationship or have that love. Um, and so using sex or intimate relationship with people, giving people what they wanted was a very destructive, um, pattern that, you know, I didn't have a lot of partners, but the partners that I did have, um, that was all part of it is I would say no, but then somehow I would get to a point of yes. Um, just because I didn't want to risk being rejected or angry, you know, someone being angry with me. And so my new thought is really beautiful. 
And it is, I am a beautiful daughter of the king of the universe and giving my body in the hopes of a good day is degrading and disrespectful to myself. I honor and love myself and only give myself mentally and physically who, to those who desire true intimacy. Mm. And my counselor explained intimacy as into me see. Oh. And so a lot of times in destructive relationships, your partner is not able, you're not able to show up in your relationship a hundred percent, right? There's parts of you that you have to hide. You know, you feel, um, you know, you're, you know how destructive relationships work, right? And so we can't show up as ourselves. We have to be perfect. We can't make mistakes. Otherwise there's anger involved. We can't say no, otherwise we'll be labeled or we'll be badgered or we'll be coerced. And so this is a, a thought that I hope is going to stay with me um, moving into the future is that I don't give myself in ways that I've said I'm not willing to give myself because people badger me or persuade me or coerce me into doing things that I said no to. And this was also something in the other relationship that happened is that originally when I reached out to this person, I reached out because I was concerned about them. And slowly the relationship began to change. And everything that I had said no to, I ended up saying yes to. And understanding how that happened is really important for me moving forward. Yeah. And that was something that the counselor had said to me too. It's like I had said, you know, I, I remember the person saying to me, would you be willing to do this? And I said, if I ever did that, I would kill myself because I could not live with the shame. Hmm. And yet within a period of time, I ended up doing those things. And so kind of understanding what, the, the hooks yeah, and what in me gets hooked is really important because mm -hmm. I need to, God gave me responsibility for one person, Amy. That's it. Yeah. I always think of that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I have to protect that. Yeah. And I need to be strong for myself and a good example to my children. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a huge thing for women actually like huge. So, yeah. um, I'm glad you brought that up. I know that wasn't easy. I, I want to say too, in relation to that and this whole concept of old and new thoughts, you can have an old thought and become aware of it. And you can even create a new thought that you like, and that you believe like a new thought doesn't work unless your brain actually believes it. So then your brain kind of believes both your your old thought is like your default thought that your brain is so used to believing. And then the new thought is the one that you you're it's an, it's newer and your brain also believes it, but both of those thoughts kind of coexist together at the same time. And the old thought will always be bigger and more easily easy to, to drop into because it's been in your brain for so long and you're so used to practicing it. Whereas the mm -hmm. new thought is kind of like a baby thought that you believe, but I tell people that you have to tie the two thoughts together. So that it's like, um, I was just telling, I was just actually talking about this in a coaching call last night. It's like, I brush my teeth every day and I always do that. And I never have to think about it. I just know that I'm always going to brush my teeth. 
every day, but I don't always do like pull-ups. So mm-hmm. if I want to do pull-ups, I might want to tie that new thing, that new habit to an old habit and put them together, like tie them together so that the old habit I always will do. And then the new habit I'll do it when I do the old habit. So when I brush my teeth, I'm also going to do the pull-up, do whatever, 20 pull-ups. And, yep. and then in that way, I actually am rewiring a new habit to the old one. And we can actually do that with thoughts too. So when you would have that old thought of, well, I'm going to, I will give, I will give myself in a sexual way to someone. If it means that I can get something in return that will help me out to the new Mm -hmm. thought, I'm a beautiful, you have to tie it in with the new thought. You'll, you'll always go to that old thought, but like if someone else came along now, like, well, let me just ask you if someone else came along and you found yourself in that same dynamic, the one that you, that you had been in prior to this, doing this work, mm-hmm. would this new thought be strong enough now? Have you practiced it enough where it would be more powerful for you or how do you feel? I haven't practiced it in this specific way because I'm not involved with anybody. Um, I think where this would, this idea or this thought would also come up in just um, you know, when someone asks me to do something so that I didn't have a lot of good boundaries. And if I did make boundaries, then I, very easily, I just let them walk right in. Yeah. Right. And so that idea is of that for me is like, if I say that this is my boundary, then I'm, then I'm going to be respectful of that for the sake of me, because I am a beautiful daughter of, of the King. So like if I am in a situation where someone starts calling me names, then I'm going to respectfully step out of the conversation to protect myself in that same way, in a a sexual way. Like this showed up in a sexual way within the relationship, but anytime I would have a boundary, it was very easily crossed. And I have to work on that, on having like a boundary that actually stays. And I remember my counselor saying that because I would say, I feel like I'm a really good communicator. Like, I don't get what the problem in my marriage is. And she put her hand up and she, or she asked me to put my hand up and then she put her hand against mine and she pushed it over. And she said, okay, now I want you to resist. Mm. And then I did. And she goes, and that's your work to do. You're not, you're good at setting boundaries. You're good at saying, no, no, I won't do this. But then how do you get to a point where you're doing things, where you give in, where you're, you know, and that is the work that I, I had to do. So this could stand. be, yeah, this could be, you, you can apply this to something as simple as, um, let's say that you go to church and then you've decided that you're only going to go to the church service and you're not going to stay for Sunday school because you have things because you don't want to, or you just have other things you want to do. And then someone says, we want you to like, after church is done, we're wondering if you could be in the nursery, serve in the nursery. And you put your hand up and say, this is like, I'm going off of your illustration. You put your hand up and you say, well, I 
I don't, I'm not going to do the nursery because I've got other things I want to do. Well, what are they? Well, we really need you to do the nursery. We need everyone to step up and volunteer. And this is like a way that you could do it. And we really need you. And it would really help these people. And, and then you don't resist. You just are like, okay, well, I guess I, I guess I can do that. Totally. Another good example for me is if someone comes to me and they say, do you want a piece of cake? And I say, no, Mm. then they say, Oh, but look at, you know, so-and-so made it and you're so you can, you can eat it. And then I like, right away, I just feel like, Oh oh, yeah, I should, I should take it. Like there's so many examples of, um, of that. But I think for women, you know, all the way from the age of, of 30 or even like uh, in the abusive relationships that I had as a, as a child, like the sexually abusive dynamics, it's, you know, people, they would come to me and they would say, would you do this? And I would say, no. And then I would end up doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to have my own back. It's like that moment where you looked in the mirror at yourself and you said, I have your back. You know, we want people to respect our boundaries, but in reality, we have to hold our boundaries. That's right. And it's like very uncomfortable when I'm saying no more, no more. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't, but it's, it's me. I have to do that. I want to think that there's, you know, men that are out there protecting me or whatever, but because I believed in patriarchal type culture, but the reality is it's me. I'm responsible for that. That's right. So these moments will come up, you know, maybe not in a sexual way, hopefully not in that kind of a situation, but there are lots of examples where, you know, you say no. And then someone says, well, you're being very stubborn. That was always a big one in my relationships. Both of people said that I was stubborn. And now I'm like, you call me stubborn and I know I'm standing and I'm standing fast and I'm standing firm. So that's the power of that word is, you know, or another word, which is a curse word is bitch. That word just, I hate that word because I've been called it so many times. And now if someone calls me that, then I know they really want what they want and I'm not giving it to them. That is amazing. That is yeah. so, so I have so to have good. my own back. We do. We, we have to empower each other to be that differentiated, strong self. Right. That makes me think of what, one of my typical old thoughts was that someone was going to, that it was someone else's responsibility to, to rescue me or to take care of me. And this is, this goes along with that, that I had to finally realize I am the one I'm the one like God's called me to be the one who takes responsibility for protecting myself. If I need to be rest, if there's any rescuing to be done of someone named Natalie, that's my job. That's my job. Even if it's uncomfortable to say no to people and to have to say no to them over and over again, because they insist that's still my job to continue to say no to them. Yeah. That's a good segue into one of another, one of my, um, old thoughts. Okay. Was that, um, Oh, did I read that one already about people being angry? Oh, I'll read it. I I don't think I did. I believe that if someone was angry or had what I considered negative feelings or emotions towards my choices, that it meant that I was bad and I'd be out of um, relationship with them. As a result, I capitulated, apologized and withdrew my opinions or the boundaries that I had voiced or put into place. And that 
old thought, you know, we capitulate, or I did, I capitulated, apologized, withdrew opinions or boundaries because I had bad feelings, right? Like it, it makes you feel so horrible right. to, say, to say no, or to, you know, have, um, to, to stand your ground. Um, and then my new thought is everyone has opinions and thoughts. And if somebody is angry about my thoughts, then it's their uh, responsibility to manage their emotions. I'm responsible to manage my own thoughts and emotions. And if someone is upset about my boundaries, it's okay. Yes. And that's a hard one because when someone is upset with you or me, when someone's upset with me, I feel horrible. Yeah. I feel horrible. And that's what draw that's what lures me into capitulating or giving into people. Yeah. I feel bad. I feel terrible. And now, you know, through this work and through other work in, in counseling, it's just I have to learn to be okay with feeling bad. Yes. Uh, Leslie Vernick, um, she was my coach way back when I was still married. And she told me that I needed to learn how to, how she put it was, you need to learn how to tolerate other people's negative emotions towards you. So that word tolerate what was like a light bulb moment for me because I thought I can't tolerate it. I can't handle it. I have to change it so that these bad feelings that they have, which are making me feel bad, will go away. We think that bad feelings are this horrible, that, that, that we have to fix it. We don't. We don't have to fix the bad feelings in the other person. And it's okay to feel that we can feel bad about it too. We're just gonna have to learn how to tolerate those bad feelings. And they and yeah. ever everyone's gonna be just fine. It's actually very human for all of us to have bad feelings sometimes. And that's where we're going to call it a wrap for this week. But if you come back here next week, you can listen to the last part of her interview. You're not going to want to miss it because again, it's just, there's so many more things that she has to share that are profound and amazing and life-changing. So I look forward to seeing you back here again next week until that time fly free.